0: Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So when you're looking through your Bible and you see those little headings, you know, Philip calls Nathaniel, Jesus calls the disciples, Jesus walks on the water, there's actually a fancy word for those. They're called pericopes probably a word you never heard before you can add it to your vocabulary i was reading the bible the other day and in this pericope I so this pericope in all the gospels is probably the one that has the least to do with jesus i want you to think about that it's really not about jesus it's about philip and nathaniel And when there's a story that focuses on the humans in the story and not the Son of God in the story, who was completely human, but you know where I'm going here. One of us sinless folk, or sinful folk, I think we need to pay attention. There are three questions really that are in this passage that we need to answer, and we're going to answer together. And they're these Have you met Jesus? Philip met Jesus. Hopefully those of us who come to church regularly have met Jesus. The second question is, have you decided to follow Jesus? Because meeting him is not enough. Then the third one is, have you shared or invited anyone else to meet Jesus? One of the things that scare non-pastors, and there are several non-pastors in the room, is the misconception that it's your job to drag people into the kingdom of heaven. I've got to go out and save people. No, Jesus saves people. All you have to do is what Philip did. Invite and introduce. Have you met Jesus? Now, James Dobson, who wrote uh, The Strong-Willed Child and has been on the forefront of Christian counseling, particularly for children for probably 30, 40 years, says the number one responsibility of a parent is to lead their child to Christ. I'd like to take umbrage with that. I think it's a responsibility of every Christian to lead the people that they love to Christ. I, I want you to think about this. If you grow up in a fairly large church, we do Sunday school, we do church, and then what do we do every Sunday? We send our kids to every summer. We send our kids to summer camp. And on Friday night, they have the bonfire service or the campfire service, and we lead them to Christ. And they come back and they say, I made a decision for Christ. And I'm like, no, that should be happening every week in your local church. So today I'm going to step apart from my usual preaching style. I'm just going to tell you a couple true stories. The first one is this. I really believe that as a Christian dad, it was my responsibility to raise my children in the faith and the knowledge of God. So when they were very little, we would read the Bible one pericope at a time. Before dinner, we would have family prayers and then we would eat dinner. Later on in life, we found out that because of soccer and little league and band and dad going to opera and all that, it didn't work at dinner anymore, and we actually did it in the mornings before breakfast before I sent them off to school. But I want you to know that I made a commitment to read the Bible and pray with my children every day. And I did that from the time Benjamin was three until the time Diana graduated from high school. I told them, if you don't have it after 18 years, you're on your own. <laughs> you should now have the habit of reading the Bible and praying every day, because Dad did this with you. So Benjamin's about four years old, and we read the story of Achan. In the, and and uh, I, I'm dealing with a four-year-old here, so I called the story, Achan Stole the Bacon. Benjamin looks at me. He says, "Dad, Aiken had to die for the bad things he did. This is a four-year-old." I said, "That's true." He said, "Am I going to die for the die for the bad things I do?" <sighs> He's four years old, and dinner is waiting to be eaten." Son, I say, the Bible says that very clearly. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. He says, I want to have Jesus in my heart. He's four years old. I'm a pastor. I am not going to just let him have Jesus in his heart. I'm going to make sure he knows exactly what is going on. And I went through the whole plan of salvation with the four-year-old at the dinner table. He says, yes, that's what I want. I'm not really convinced yet, so I go back, and I go over the plan of salvation with him again at the end, uh, before before dinner, to the point where his mother says, just let the boy have Jesus in his heart. Dinner's <laughs> getting cold. And I prayed with Benjamin at dinner to have Jesus in his heart. About two weeks later, because Ben and John are only a year apart, they're riding in the matching... Um, car seats in the back of our car. And his voice says, Dad, what, Jonathan? Because Jonathan was that kid, and I love Jonathan, but Jonathan's love language is gifts. Buy me something. And usually, if we're driving someplace, he's decided that he wanted something. Ice cream, water ice, a new ninja tur- something. Dad, what? I wanna have Jesus in my heart like Benjamin does. Right now? I'm driving a car. I can't even turn around and establish eye contact with the child. Okay, I said. <laughs> Can you imagine? Dad is exasperated because he's driving the car. And Jonathan, at the age of three, prays to have Jesus in his heart in our minivan. I couldn't even tell you where we're driving. What a glorious day. So it gets better. We're having family prayers. We, and That's what we called it family prayers. <laughs> they spent a night at my mother's and they got up and they ran in and jumped on her bed and they said, Grandma, time for family prayers. She's like, What? <laughs> Even when I wasn't there, they made grandma say, We got to read the Bible and pray. That's, that's what we do. So we're going to set the way back machine. So Diana was about six. So the boys were 11 and 12. We're still having family prayers. She says, and we were by that time rotating the reading because the boys are old enough to read and we're rotating the praying. Diana says, well, I want to pray. Benjamin says, you can't pray. She says, why not? She says, you don't have Jesus in your heart. She says, well, how do I get Jesus in my heart? And I realized this is holy ground. I need to take a step back, a metaphorical step back. And the boys led their sister to Christ during family prayers. Now, later on in life, we used to tease Diana because she's the youngest and like, you went to church camp, did you give your heart to Jesus yet? She said, no, they're not giving out good stuff. Because you've seen those evangelists who have like the big dollar bills with Jesus on it and candy and stuff. And the running joke was when they had a big enough prize, she would actually give her heart to Christ. But she knows, and I know, that it happened during family prayers. Our number one responsibility is to share the with the people that we love, Jesus. Two more and then I'll be done. I don't know about you, but I have fallen in love several times in life. I don't have plans to do it again. I, I, I'm very happy with Vicky. I hope she's very happy with me. But we've all had that roller coaster when you were young and you, you fell in love and then you didn't and you fell in love. And you, so I, I dated more people than Vicky. I'm sorry if, if that upsets you, but I did. And I'll never forget, there was one girl and I was, I was certain we were going to be together forever. You know, that that wonderful feeling when you first fall in love and you've got stars in your eyes and butterflies in your stomach And I met her at church, so I figured she must be a Christian. And one day we're talking about, like you do when you're young and in love, you know, are we going to have a dog? What are we going to name the dog? Where are we going to live? What kind of house? And uh, I said, you know, we're going to go to church. And she said, why? And I said, well, because we're Christians. And she said, well, what does that mean to you? And I found out that she had never made a decision for Christ. So I went home and I, I besieged the door of heaven. Like, hold it, I found this girl in church. Why, why isn't she a Christian? And uh, the message I, I felt in my heart was, well, somebody's gotta tell her. So I bought her a Bible. And I gave it to her and she said, well, thank you. What do I need this for? And I said, well, let me show you some things in the Bible. And I ran her through the Roman road. I don't know if you've ever taught that here at the church. There's five verses in Romans that really convey the gospel from our place as a sinner to salvation. And I ran her through the Roman road and I said, here's the deal. I want to be with you for my entire life. And I'm going to live forever. And you're not. That's how gentle I was. <laughs> I'm going to live forever and you're not. And she said, what do you mean? And I, I walked her through it and she said, nobody has ever told me this before. And I prayed with her and she gave her heart to Christ. Of course, she didn't marry me. She went off and I don't know where she is, happily ever after, but she knows Jesus. Why? Because our number one responsibility as a person who knows Jesus is to introduce other people to Jesus. Last one. I was running a Christian Endeavor summer camp. You know, I was the executive director of Christian Endeavor for many years. And a cute little girl named Bethany came to camp, and my my responsibility was the 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. And camp can get a little Boring if you're 9, 10, 11 years old. All the big kids get to do big kid stuff. So we actually had decided that we were going to put on one of those canned Christian musicals. And we had a couple of the leaders who took the the leads in the play, but the kids were the chorus. And it was a game show. And we were cheering for the game show. And at the end of the play, there came a place where you could invite the audience, the actual audience to give their heart to Jesus. And Bethany went forward at nine years old and gave her heart to Jesus. Now, the other thing we did, because if you're going to do a play, you should have more of an audience than the other kids at summer camp. So we invited the parents to come early on Saturday to pick them up and to clean out the kitchen. See, we were the last camp of the year and there was all this food in the kitchen that they would have to throw away. So our... our um, Our tradition was that the cook would cook every bit of food in the kitchen and we would have this huge buffet and the parents would come, they would see the show and we would eat ourselves silly and then send them all home. We do the show and we're sitting down to eat and this tall, fairly gruff man walks over to me and he is visibly upset. And I'm like, this man is going to squish me like a bug. And he sits down, and he says, uh, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, uh, I'm Bethany's dad. I said, okay. He said, and Bethany just said something to me that I need to tell you. I said, Bethany said, dad, I love you. And I gave my heart to Jesus last night. And I want you to give your heart to Jesus because I want to be with you forever. And I got to pray with Bethany's dad. Our main responsibility as a Christian is to introduce other people to Jesus. I was telling uh, Danny and and Wiki on Thursday night that I was going to name this sermon, I'm Batman tell all your friends about me because more people are, are able to tell somebody about their favorite movie. And then we talk about, I don't know if you know this, that movie came out 31 years ago when Michael Keaton played Batman, right? We, we still talk about that movie and how wonderful Jack Nicholson was as the Joker. But when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? I want to go back to something I said earlier. It was not Philip's responsibility or yours to save Nathaniel. It's our responsibility to do what Philip did and bring people to meet Jesus. Now, there's a couple hidden things in this story that I I want you to chew on before we're done. And the first one is this, and I, I hadn't learned this until this week. You know how we always say Adam and Eve ate the apple? Well, the rabbis and the early Christians believed it was a fig. So Nathanael is sitting under the fig tree, a symbol of our original sin. That's an interesting thought that you on. The other thing I learned, because then I said, well, I got to look up fig trees. Fig trees in um, grow up and out. They're like a big umbrella. And to sit under a fig tree meant you're going to enjoy the shade in the middle of a desert. So that for Philip to find Nathaniel resting under the figs meant that Nathaniel was comfortable and he was cool and he had all the inclination to move of a rock. Philip had a relationship with Nathaniel so that when he said to Nathaniel, I want you to come and meet Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael went. We cannot just grab people by the collar and drag them them into heaven. It's not how it works. We have to build a relationship to people and invite them. Uh, Can we go to the next slide? In the back of the church, There are printed contracts because we are headed for the 31st of this month to to make a covenant with God. And we're going to look for great and mighty things to happen for the 31st of 2022. Today's sermon really focuses on number four. I will pray for God's leading and bring unchurched or unsaved individuals this year. When I was about 16, Ford Philpott came to the area. And if you remember Ford Philpott, he was the Methodist version of Billy Graham. He traveled all around the country and the world preaching the gospel, and he had Ford Philpott Crusades. And they took volunteers to be the uh, prayer warriors at the Crusades, and I volunteered, and I went, and that's where I learned the Roman road that I've used my entire life. And they asked us to do something. Pray for one person, one unsaved person in your church, in your community or somewhere. And when that person got to the crusade, you were asked for during the entire crusade, during that meeting, to pray for that person and trust God to do wonderful things. And I prayed for a lady that lived on my block I prayed and prayed and prayed. Now, if you're 16 in New Jersey, you're not old enough to drive. So I couldn't even take her with me to the crusade. Darn, if she doesn't show up at the crusade. And I prayed for her for the entire meeting, and sure enough, at the end, up she went. Now, they don't let 16-year-olds counsel grown women. So I was not a participant in her making a decision for Christ. She doesn't even know that I spent that time in prayer on her behalf. But if we make that commitment to look for the unchurched and the unsaved and invite and pray for them, Jesus is waiting to meet them here. If you've never met or decided to follow Jesus, because those two things go together, today would be a wonderful day. We're going to sing Marching to Zion, one of my favorites from camp meeting when I was growing up. And the front pews are open. Our deacons and our pastors would love to pray with you as you make that decision. If you are ready to step out and make a decision to intentionally pray for great and mighty things in this church, and you want to make that commitment with one of us so that we can share in that with you, again, the front pews are open, and our deacons and pastors would love to pray with you. And finally, if you have a personal need or a challenge that's facing you in your life, and you need counsel and prayer, again, the front pew is open, and we would love to pray with you. So really, the sermon isn't called, I'm Batman, tell all your friends about me. It's, I'm Jesus, tell all your friends about me. Amen.